Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Really hard. I would, piano is another thing I want to do. Yeah. The thing is, is I have so many things I want to do. Tell me about it. But I was telling my boyfriend this. I was like, I was like, I feel like comedy is a kid. And now that I've raised it and it's in its teens, I feel like I can start thinking about other things like piano and singing. That's a nice way of putting it. Right? Like yeah. I can just like, I'm, I'm like ready to like have other hobbies or finally kind of like it's sort of starting to like take care of itself a little bit. Yeah. And so I don't have to, I don't have to cater to it every, every fucking second. Hello and welcome to another episode of Balancing Acts. My guest this week is Maria Shahata, a US stand-up comedian. In this episode, Maria shines a light on the LA stand-up and improv comedy scene. We also talk about hobbies and the challenge of learning something new and the procrastination involved in actually deciding what hobby to take up. We talk about her love for the Panda Planner. And of course, we talk about how Maria finds a sense of balance between her stand-up comedy and her everyday life. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Wiley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. If you're thinking of heading over to LA for the first time to do stand-up or improv, then this will be useful for you. And if you are someone who is solely focused on their career, whatever it might be in a creative field and or beyond, and don't really have time for hobbies, then I think you'll also find this interesting. We discussed this idea of uh, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and how it's beneficial to adopt a growth mindset when taking on a new challenge or learning something new. So over to Maria. Let's rock and roll, shall we? Sure. How are you, Maria? Um, fucking fine. I'm fine. <laughs> when did we last see each other? Um, it feels like was it was it Edinburgh? No, that was two years ago. Seen? No, because I saw you at the um, Betsy Trotwood after. Oh show. yes, yes. But aside from that, we've we've gone our separate ways. Yeah, we have. We didn't really see each other. We've seen so loads. Much. <laughs> no, every now and then. Every now and then. Uh, how's how's all things comedy treating you at the moment? Comedy's uh, good. I'm yeah. I'm working on my next Edinburgh hour, and like I just I, I'm gigging a lot and feeling very guilty all the time about 
you know, you do club sets and you're like, I should be working on new material. And then you do new material and it's shit. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's stressful. It's tough to get that balance right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The Edinburgh show is a very different. People like they have like such practical advice. So why don't you just do 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there? It's like because you're at clubs and you can't be like, well, let me set this up for you. So my family, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like there's too much involved in Edinburgh show to just kind of Take just throw bits. in a 10 minute mm. thing. Like, so, you know, you try to do it to the best you can, but can be difficult i tried to i tried that exact thing exact thing last week at a gig and uh, i just even said like in the middle of it i was like this is why you should never try and squeeze an edinburgh show into 10 minutes yeah right it's, it's awkward it's not advisable no people don't know what the fuck's going on no and you're like you're using them and they can feel that they sense it yeah they're clever like that aren't they audiences audiences are really clever they're like dogs like if you're even <laughs> a little bit nervous they sense it yes and they hate it and they really they're uncomfortable do. and you can sense as soon as they've sensed it yeah. And it's just this like vicious circle going round and round, getting more and more awkward yeah. until one of you breaks. Yeah. Well, or as soon as you get that laugh, that's inevitable because one of the jokes is so good that you have to get a laugh. Then everybody relaxes a bit. Like, okay, they're not terrible. Because I was feeling really bad for them. Because that's the thing about audiences. They're not like, they don't want you to be bad unless like they're Northern audiences. Like they want you to be good. <laughs> so when you are bad or when nobody's laughing, everybody's uncomfortable until it's until it gets better. Yeah. If it gets better. Yeah. Like an uncomfortable date. You yeah. Because nobody, nobody's like no, out nobody, there going like, why, why don't you fail? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see you fail. They don't want that. No. On a date either. Right. Right. Yeah. No one wants to go on an uncomfortable date. No, you don't go on a date and you go, yeah, like, uh, let's see uh, if you can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so how long have you been in the UK for now? Three years. Three years. So I'm interested to know what was the decision that made you hop over because from my perspective, I want to be over there. I want to be in the sunshine. I want to be somewhere where I can wake up and go surfing every day. And then I can gig in the evenings. Yeah, yeah. That's like, first of all, you have a very romantic idea of yes, LA. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so I just want to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's I not know. real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, well, I moved originally because I was engaged to someone here. Okay. And then we didn't work out, but I stayed because I liked it and I like gigging here. And then, uh, yeah, so I just made a life here. How does the audience compare? They're better. They're better. They're, they're, they laugh more. They're bigger in numbers. They're more like smart. They're better here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I almost quit comedy in LA. I hated doing comedy in LA. Really? Why? Because you don't get the kind of audiences you get here and, and they're very sparse. A lot of the shows you do, you're doing in front of other comedians and they're just waiting to go up. Unless, I mean, there are clubs, they're harder to get into because there's so many comedians that like, so unless many. you have TV credits... You're not getting those that stage time. Yeah, because I was over there a month ago and, uh, you know, I'd emailed people in advance, but they're like, you need to give us six months notice. That's how long, like, the, the yeah. waiting list over here. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. So was it was it, was it it the clubs or was it the, the alt rooms? Because those are just as big as the clubs. I went for a lot of alt rooms. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I was advised. I was, I was given a list of a load of alt rooms. Yeah. And uh, it was a no-go. Yeah, that no-go. sucks. But it was fun. I went to, I did a two-week course at UCB. Oh, cool. Which is really fun. Yeah. You did like an intensive. Yeah. Nice. You, intensive. you meet a lot of great people in those You courses. really do. Did you stay in touch with people? Yeah, I have done. Cool. In fact, I'm going to see one um, who lives in Sweden in a few weeks and do some gigs over there. I've made lifelong friends in the UCB courses. Have you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. People I'm still in touch with, still friends with, you know. Did you do 101 to 401? I did 101 to 301. Okay. Gets quite heady, doesn't it? It gets a bit, yeah. And my 301 class was really clicky and I, I just felt too old for that. Like it just felt very, everybody was like 20 and like they just yeah. all kind of formed groups. And I was like, ah. I just didn't get into it. Because, you know, when you're a stand-up, because you only have so much time, you can do both. 
but I didn't love improv enough to to, to dedicate that time. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it's very difficult to do. I feel like people are doing it more here now with the FA. There's more and more people. Do you know the FA, the Free yeah, Association? Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's more people doing that. Stand-ups, I know, that are starting to do that more. Yeah. But once you start doing shows as well, that's yeah. a tricky thing to navigate between doing that and stand-up shows. It is. It is. Yeah, I took a, a, a sketch writing class at the FA. But it is hard because it's not just you. Stand-up, it's so you. And you get so used to being on your own. Like, you know, yes. you go to shows. You sign up for mics. You, you know, you don't have to worry about other, other people letting you down, paying for a rehearsal space, paying for a director going through all the classes like there's so much that goes into improv to get good at it and then there's like no guarantee well i mean there's no guarantee either way stand up but at least but i feel i I feel maybe with stand up that you feel like you have more control over your career because it's solely down to you yeah whereas i I see the improv you know you get into an improv troupe it's sort of like improv troupe was it troupe or troupe do you call it troupe or troupe Um, uh, yeah, trippy actually. Trippy. It's trippy. Okay, trippy. But yeah, so like, yeah, and 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 what like what happens once you okay? So you formed your improv group. Now yeah. what? Right. Now you rehearse for what? Well, let's try to get a show. Nobody likes improv groups. <laughs> Over there, they ma- the yeah. UCB audiences like were lapping it up. They were yeah, and plus they 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 line up around the corner. But that's because they get famous names and stuff. Um, yeah. And to get into the to the UCB as a team is so hard. It's kind of like that gold rush of the 90s of like uh, stand-up comedy. It's like, oh, you know, you could go, you could perform at the comedy store in LA and then you get on Letterman or whatever, what was going on, Carson, and then you get your own sitcom. Yeah. And so everybody just flocked to LA because they thought they were going to get their own sitcom. Yeah. The same thing sort of happened with UCB and improv. It's because like casting directors started going to improv uh, teams to see them to, so all these improvisers were getting cast and things. So this is like a real practical use for improv, but getting into a Herald team in the UCB was like, that's a process and very difficult. Yeah. So, but and then even beyond that, they've got uh, after four hundred one. There's like all these other different courses you can do. It goes all the way up. You yeah. can be like studying like the length of time it takes to become a doctor. Because the way I remember it, and I could be wrong, was that once you did four hundred one, you audition for the Herald, right? And you audition auditions for like teams there, but they probably want to keep that money. But they're obviously not going to bring everyone on board to have a team that performs at the UCB. Yeah, but they still want them, so they created like. Post four hundred one things, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a very isn't it? jaded outlook, but I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, it sounds like on the money. <laughs> so, how are you in terms of a moment like balancing your comedy and life outside of that? Because you're gigging, you gig a lot, don't you? Yeah, I do, and it's easy because I like I'm in a new relationship, and he's a comedian, so it's like easy to for him to like you know he's out there, I'm out there every evening. We'll he see understands. each other after. Yeah, he gets it. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> when you're in a new relationship, it's not even the comedy that's like throwing me off balance. It's the new relationship, you know, like okay. it's like, so I'm spending mornings with him instead of exercising or writing or doing all those yes. things that I would do in the mornings, you know, go to a coffee shop and write, even if I am sitting on Facebook, like some writing gets done, but like, but as it is the past like few months, I've just been like it's that madness of the beginning of just, the relationship. Yeah. Just, just, just hugging in bed together all day. And it's, it's that's fun. It's great. Yeah. It's so great. That's great. And yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, well. While I, it lasts. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a cynic in me. No, enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. God, that cut. Um, uh, no, it's, you know, there's, there's that initial honeymoon period, right? Where it's just like, all you want to do is just like lie in bed together and just be with each other. Yeah. And I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm just talking from experience. It's just, it's just me. 
But that this that's that initial intensity, isn't there? You know. Yeah, but like, how long is that supposed to last? Like, I've heard the honeymoon period is like a year, but up to that... a year. I think it could be up to up to a year, maybe. Okay. I mean, there's then, no, there's no, there's no rules. And then what happens? I don't have enough experience with long-term relationships. What's the longest you've you've been in? Two and a half years, but I was okay, like twenty. Long. I was twenty. I was right. like, what did I know? Right. Right. And then I didn't get what was happening. You know, when he started pulling away, like, holy shit! Like now you at least know what's going on. But then it's just like you know, because like I said before, like love, love is like a drug, and when you're young, like you don't know how to handle it no you cannot handle that shit you cannot handle it so you make all the mistakes yeah, you're off your head you go crazy yeah. you follow them <laughs> you like call like every 10 minutes you know because you don't know what the fuck's going on what's like, going on i haven't like, heard back uh, right yeah but you're like I, I want to hear from them so i will call them yeah. you know and it ends up being there's no like, barrier there is there yeah. there's nothing to stop you yeah you just spill all your emotions yeah. out onto this person they hate it and but you don't know what to do you don't know what to do. but uh yeah so now you can at least reel yourself in a bit you're like i see what's happening yeah okay you're freaking out a little bit just chill out calm down don't say anything do not call him <laughs> but i think I think it's 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 good position to be in when you're when you're so busy and you've got other things going on as well. Mm. So it's not necessarily yeah. your main yeah. That's priority. true. Like, what did you have going on when you were twenty? Like, right? I didn't do anything when I was twenty. I wasn't in groups or anything. So, so it's just like all I had to think about was that. Yeah. And then now I've got my life. Yeah. You got shit going on. I do have shit going on. Oh, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't being self-deprecating. No, I have no, my no, life. No. Yeah, you have your life. You have your life. Yeah. You saying before that prior to this relationship, you had your little morning routine. Did you have a set morning routine that you do every morning or does it vary or did it vary? It always varies. But like, I, I like to get up and write and get up and exercise. What time do you wake up? I was getting up like seven thirty, eight o'clock. Okay. And now I'm getting up, getting out of bed by like noon. Okay. What time do you usually go to sleep most nights? If you have, if you have a gig. If I have a In London. What, before this relationship? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before I'm and after. I'd probably be in bed by like uh, 11. 11, okay. Something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, if I had my way, I'd be in bed by 9. Like in the winter. Really? Oh, I, oh, I love going to bed at 9. Yeah. Getting up early. I wish I could do Mor- that. I'm a morning person. Yeah, me too. Yeah? Yeah, I try to be. I want to get into this. I was. I went through a period of getting up at like quarter past five. Mm. And that was amazing. I just got so much stuff done in the morning. Yeah. But it's just continue. I think especially when you gig... You can still yeah. be in bed before 12, but I always feel like if I've been working all day and then I go to a gig, when I come home, I need to treat myself to something. Like if he's watching a little bit of TV or just something to switch off for a bit. You have so much like adrenaline after a gig. Because I've been like so tired before a show and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do the 10 minutes. I'm going to go home, go to bed. Yeah. And then after it's like, all right, let's hang out. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you just, yeah. You're just pumped up. So yeah, it's like, makes sense you would want to come home and watch. That's the only time I really even watch TV is like at, at night, like after gigs, just yeah. to unwind. Same. I can't. I find it very difficult to just make the decision to go and sit and watch TV for yeah. like a period of time. Just, I don't know, on the weekend or something like that. I've got friends who watch all the box sets. You know, yeah. I get through them every now and then. I watch Fleabag, loved it. Yeah. But I, I don't do it regularly. I feel guilty about switching off for that long period. I have spent many afternoons just binge watching okay. things. Binge watching gets me through shit. Like um, The Sopranos got me through some heartbreak yeah it's a distraction right yeah it's so great yeah any any what have you been binging on recently anything there's particular? nothing left i've binged, on, you binged everything. on everything i don't have anything left like i was trying to find something last night and i couldn't i tried to watch a uh, life uh, afterlife or something with Richie, ricky gervais couldn't get into it mm. uh friends from college couldn't get into it like i watched all of um 
You was good. Uh, I watched all of, like, I've already watched all of Mrs. Maisel and Glow and all Mrs. the good Maisel's ones. Right. And just, like, then you start getting to the stuff that's, like, some people said this was good. Yeah. And then I tried to yeah. watch Dirty John and I hated it. I don't even I just, know what Dirty John is. It's, like, it's like if you liked you, Dirty John is, like, the like the true crime version of you. It's, um, okay. it's based on a podcast about, like, a real-life story. Yeah. But it's written, like, chronologically and very it's very boring. The acting sucks. And, like, I don't know about you, but, like, Everything I'm watching on Netflix that involves somebody from LA, whether it's fictional or not, like they're the biggest dicks. Like, how does anyone ever want to go to LA? Every character in LA is just the biggest asshole, but it's like not in a bad way. Like they they boast about being an asshole. Like I'm a bitch, deal with it, like kind of thing. Mm. It's just like, these are unlikable people. Like why would anybody want to go to LA? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they seem to... They seem to be able to get away with that more than maybe like a British character would because it's not considered as much in their nature, I guess. Yeah, but like like British characters, like Afterlife, Ricky Gervais's character is a dick. And I, yeah. I truly think it's just his thoughts that he has every day that he just like gave it justification because his wife died and, and threw it into a sitcom. Okay. But like at least it gets laughs because this person's a dick. Oh, ha, is it ha, funny? It's really funny. It's supposed to be funny, right? Okay. And so, but... These people are just, they're they are assholes, but not in a funny way, not in any way that like redeems them. They're just um, like, I'm a self There's no likable traits. And I'm proud of it. Yeah, right. totally. Okay. Ugh, I hate it. Which which series is that? Well, I mean, I, like I was thinking of, like, that's like a all the LA. So I was watching, um, did you see Huge in France? No. With, uh, it's about a comedian called Gad, who's actually really big in France. Oh, yes, I've heard of him. Yeah. And so. I saw he was on um, Comedians in Cars drinking yes, coffee. Yes, he episode. was. Yeah. Yeah. So he came. He, he oh, went that's to, a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> he went to LA. Uh, like, so the show's about him going to LA and being a nobody in LA. Okay. But all the characters there are like terrible. They're the, terrible. The characters people. he bumps into. No, the, the characters, the main characters in his life, like his wife, his son. Right. These are fictionalized versions. They're fictionalized yes. characters, okay, but right. every fictionalized character about somebody in LA, or even if it's real life, like uh, like you know, selling Sunset or something, it's always people being really competitive. But that's reality shows. That's fine, whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying, fictionalized characters and people in LA are terrible. They're terrible people, but not in a redeemable way. Right. Flaws. Writing flaws there. Yeah, I'm gonna write to someone and let them know. I so. think you should. Okay. <laughs> yeah, an open letter. Have you got any aspirations to do sitcoms that sort of thing? Yeah, write, yeah, write, yeah, or... yeah. I've like. I had a web series I did in LA about two terrible people with no redeemable flaws. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I've, I've written treatments. I, you know, I have a treatment. Now I've pushed treatments onto people. It's just... They're tough, always, isn't it? Like, yeah, you can't... Once you start dealing with commissioners, it's such a painful process. Yeah. In terms of, like, oh, how long it takes to hear back and all the notes and... Yeah. It's a process. Yeah, it is. It is, but... Um, you kind of want it to be because you don't yeah. want just everyone getting a sitcom. That's true. But it's still painful. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. But if they're paying attention, that's good. That's true. That is true. So are there like any essentials that you just have to have in your life to give you that sort of like sense of balance? You need that. Like for me, when I go a few days without meditating, I feel foggy. Okay. Uh, I, I need to meditate pretty much every day. Mm. And I need to exercise most days as well. Yeah. I'd like to be at that point. Okay. I'd like to be in such a habit of exercise and meditating that I I have to do it. Or, I've been to that point before where it's yeah. just if you don't go, you feel really guilty. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, was it so? Was it like a sense of guilt or rather like 
oh, I miss that feeling. Both. It's Both. like, yeah, it's like guilty for not going, like feeling like I'm undoing all the hard work that I've been doing. Also, you miss the feeling. You feel great. Yeah. And I don't know why that feeling doesn't carry into like pushing you when you stop exercising. Because right now I'm in a very um, non-exercise period in my life. Okay. And like, I just, it's so hard for me. I had a, I was supposed to go to the gym today. It was like the first effort I had made in a long time to even think about going to the gym. I canceled the class. Like I just, of course I did. Yeah. It's just so hard to get back in it. It's hard. Once you've fallen off the wagon. Yeah. It's hard to get back on. It is. I don't know why. Why does it have to be like this? Why? Yeah. No, Uh, no, it's true. So essentials though, like something I have to have that keeps me grounded. Hmm. I mean, that's, no, I got nothing. I guess I have to get on stage. Like if I. Okay. That's your thing. I, it's not my thing. It's become my thing. I think uh-huh. like I've been getting on stage every night for the past like like couple months. I just, if I spend two days without getting on stage now, I feel like the next time I do a show, it's really like, ugh. like it's like, it's hard to, you know, Yeah. I'm on a roll now. So it's like, I know my set and I'm like, you know, it's all, it's all flying and things are coming to me and you take a couple of days off from that. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, what am I saying? How does I feel? feel rusty. You feel really rusty. Yeah. But then if you're just used to getting on stage once a week, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anybody who has a stand-up comedy like aspirations. I don't know how they just get on stage once a week. You just got to get up more. Yeah. How often do you get up? It varies. Like sometimes, so like this last month I've been doing maybe uh, four, four times a week. Yeah. And then this week I'm uh, twice a week. Mm. But I'm really bad at, it's just the admin side. Like I'll book a load in advance. Mm. And then it will come like, you know, a month later and I was like, oh shit, I need to book a load more. Yeah, and I right. constantly like book <laughs> right. throughout. What do you do? I, I, How do you handle the admin side of it? Uh, people just kind of book me. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, but you know what? You have to get me organized because like you kind of have to like have like, all right, this is who I need to contact. This was the last time I contacted them. This is what they said. Because there's so many bookers to remember. You don't want to like write to somebody when you just wrote to them and and you know because that's pretty insulting to them because you're like oh sorry i'm just throwing these out there spam yeah Yeah. spamming them right and then there's like it's on facebook it's on email it's like all over the place admin is so disastrous for a stand-up comedian it's just you really have to be organized so what do you have do you have like systems or databases set up for yourself like do you have like i used to did you what databases you mean i used to have like an excel spreadsheet of like who i contacted this is when i was living in la and i was trying to get gigs here so i was trying to remember everyone so like who i contacted what they book where they book it like what was said last time last correspondence and like when to like you know message again yeah i just don't do that anymore no because you're in demand they need to I didn't realize it, and honestly, until just now, but it's been a long time since I've sent out a message That's asking right. to get booked on something. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Do you let yourself sort of just have fun then outside of like stand up? I know we're talking about like TV stuff or whatever, mm. but like some people I've spoken to and they're like, they have to, they have to go out in terms of to get inspiration they need to give themselves time to, I don't know, whatever it might be, go to cinema, go to museum, other stuff outside of comedy, or even see other comedian shows to just get creative inspiration. Yeah, I like to, I like to read. What do you read? Um, I've been trying to read novels because, like, I oh, usually yeah. listen to like like audible books. I listen to all like inspiring, like yeah, me too. Thinking, grow rich. And, yeah, like, yeah. You're a badass at making money and then take you, control of your life. And, th- then you finally read them, and then you feel like yeah. But then, like, a yeah. few weeks after you stop reading it, it kind of, like, I don't know, it all goes to oh, shit. Oh, it goes away. Even a few days later, you're like, yeah, who am I kidding? I'm not going to be a millionaire. But, like, uh, 
you know, but then while you're listening to it, you're like, I could totally do this. Why am I not doing this? It's right there for me. All I have to do is have faith and passion and get out there and get it. And then you're just, you just forget. Yeah. <laughs> but like for inspiration, I don't know. I've heard that like reading helps you write. And I don't know that I've actually benefited from it, but I've been reading A Gentleman in Moscow. Okay. It's like something that I, I picked up at a bookstore because it was something I would never read. But I just was like, I want to give this a shot. And I like it a lot. It's so that's good. good. A lottery. Very difficult. Yeah. You know, to just to pick a book up and actually to be something that you enjoy. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky. There's Very been a lot lucky. of books that I've just given up on. So many. <laughs> so many. I've, I've gone through like a real phase over the last year. Sometimes I just do like impulsive purchases on Amazon because, you know, they, you like this, so we'd recommend this. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. It's Yeah, it's funny. Like, I really have to go off recommendations a lot of time, even for TV shows, because there's so much on Netflix now that, like, if <sighs> if I if, if there's, like, um, a show I haven't heard of, but I'm like, well, nobody's told me about it, so it must be shit. So that's the mindset. If I if I do have time I'll, and I start watching it, that's the mindset I'm already, met, I'm already in. Nobody's told me about it, so it must be shit. Must and be I give it, like, yeah. no chance at yeah. all. I don't even give the, like, trailers a chance anymore. I was going through Netflix today. I'm having a very naughty day of, like, I was just eating lunch, and I just wanted to watch something while I was eating lunch. Yeah. And there was a trailer, and she and they're like, what's the thing about this show? And the girl was like, me. And he's like, yeah, but... And then I was like, no. You know, you just move on immediately on. if the first yeah. joke doesn't get you. Totally. Well, that's the thing. We, we are completely overwhelmed by options and choices in every aspect of our life so we become ever increasingly picky about what to spend our time on hello sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation which i'm enjoying i'm sure just as much as you are but i need to give you guys a little reminder Uh, if you like this conversation this episode if you like balancing acts in general then please do subscribe to us rate and review us because it makes the world of difference and the more reviews we get the more rates we get the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral whatever that means okay back to the chat I hate how much, how many options there are for everything, which is why it's just like, why, like, why do I spend any time on Facebook? There's so much to take in. There's so much content of just everything. You 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 spend a lot of time on Facebook? A bookstore. And then you're just like, I wish I I had the time. There'll be like 17 books I'll be interested in. And I'm like, I don't have the time in my life to do this. So why am I wasting time on Facebook? I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook unless I, I catch myself because I've, I've, um, Maybe I do spend a lot of time on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, but you just you end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and then your brain will be like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Right, sorry." <laughs> yeah, I find that with Instagram more because it's just in your just picture. Yeah, it's just, it's just a fucking zombie. It's I hate I hate social media. Yeah, that's a common uh, theme that's running through this this podcast. But it's sort of like you need it. I mean, do you need it? I don't know. What do you feel like as a comedian? Do you feel you need it to, to help you with your profile? Do you do it purely for comedic purposes? I.e. to I, PR yourself. Okay. Yeah. So I yeah. do. And I feel like that hurts me a lot because Why? like the, well, I, I just feel like there's, um, you should have content. Like if your Twitter is just all retweets of shows you're doing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or like you're just promoting. It's yeah. just like, who cares about that? No, so no you have cares. to have like, Ideally, you would have one promotion to every like three actual tweets yeah. of content that's funny. And then, but I just don't ever, ever. And so I'm just promoting. I'm just promoting on Facebook. I'm just promoting on Instagram. Like I've really fallen off the actual real content part and yeah. just doing the promotions, you know. So I don't know if that's helpful, but like people see me and they go, oh, you look really busy. And the only reason they know I look busy is because they've seen it on social media. So in a way that helps, it helps my profile. Yeah. But 
at the same time, it's just like, I'm just, I'm just empty calories on that thing. Yeah. I'm not providing anything that's like good. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I uh, but yeah, I think everyone's got their own approach to it. Social media works for some people, it doesn't work for others. Some people are like really trying to, I'm in this group and on Instagram where, you know, everybody's like, they post content and everybody in the group has to go and comment on the content to boost the algorithms. Oh, I was in one of those and I left it. Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it because I don't ever post anything. I just find myself with a bunch of homework. Yeah. And so, but like, they're really very like technical about like what they're, you know, like the posting, how they're putting the uh, captions on, where they put the captions. Really? And like everything is like thought, like the kind of cameras, like um, just really like it's so overwhelmingly te- technical. Yeah. And just like, I'm like, I just, if this is what it takes, man, like, fuck it. <laughs> it's a, that's, it it's a full-time job. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an influencer. No, I don't either at all. A hand stretched, you know, the hand stretched classic image where they're on the holiday and you see her, her arm stretched out as if like holding hand with a boyfriend. You know, the, oh, that, that thing. That, that thing yeah. They do. Yeah. That for me is just sums up influencer. Yeah. You know? What was that like some sort of trend where people were just taking pictures of like a like holding hands with somebody who was off screen or something? It's, I mean, it was it, called something. I'm sure it this is. Makes, yeah. This kind of thing makes me feel old. I'm like, that was a thing. That was a thing, yeah. Why was that a thing? What's wrong with these kids? I know. Right? <laughs> Different generation. Yeah. And then there's a Snapchat as well. I mean, I don't talk No, Snapchat. I don't even know. I can't do that. I'm not going to talk about it with you here. <laughs> I don't know. Really like Snapchat. I was hoping that was one of those things that just fell off. Like uh, what happened at Periscope? Everybody got into oh, Periscope. I forgot about Periscope. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Because Facebook what Live happened. Bebo. <laughs> what was Bebo? Bebo was like one of the originals with MySpace. Oh, right. MySpace I loved. Now, MySpace was good. MySpace felt I wholesome. MySpace. That yeah. was wholesome. Yeah. You're top six best friends. Yeah. You've got your little player. You can play your music. Yeah. And you can make all these funky designs. I had all my blogs on MySpace. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, I discovered loads of artists and bands on there. Yeah. That felt like a real... Like, uh, it just felt very, like, wholesome and, yeah, just it was a, a nice like, time of social time. media. A simpler time. That's <laughs> it what it was. simpler time. Yeah. That's how Dane Cook got famous, was MySpace. Was it? Yeah. That's how he shot up to, like, millions of, uh, but it was through MySpace. It wasn't through Facebook or anything. It was right. back in MySpace days. He was, like, like, the first influencer or something. What would be the ultimate goal for you for comedy? I want a career like, like, uh, like Sharon Horgan or Louis C.K. or... Like, I want to create content. I want to be in movies. I want to, so, like, yeah, have a sitcom, be in movies. Sharon Horgan's, like, doing it, isn't she? She is killing Fucking it. killing it. Was a production company as well, Merman? Yeah, Merman. Yeah, which is, yeah. So, like. Wow. Yeah. Just, well, I would love to have that career. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, or Mindy Kaling's, you know. And not neither of those people are stand-ups. <laughs> That's true. They're not, are they? She's comedy actress, Sharon Horgan. Well, actress and writer. Yeah. And Minnie Kaling was never a stand-up. She just did one weird play once. And then, I don't know how, like, she just got famous from that. And being on The Office. But, like, uh, I don't think I have to do stand-up. But right as it is now, like, I I don't know what else to do. Yeah. I just feel like I'm sort of... I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. So positive <laughs> towards it. <laughs> do you enjoy it? I don't know. I don't know. Like I, do, I must. There are shows. Some, there are some shows that go so well, and you're just, just like buzzing, on top right? of the world. You're buzzing. Yeah, yeah. But then, like last night, I played the Nine and Nine Club like midweek. Yeah. And it was just, it was just pulling teeth with these guys. Like they laughed, but it wasn't like it wasn't like booming laughter. It was just like, ha ha, like polite, like okay. Yeah. It's funny, and that just destroyed me. I was like, whoa, the fuck am I wasting my time coming here? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Louis C.K. I think said it once that like, he was like, you know, as you get better, he's like, you don't stop bombing, your bombs get better. You know what I mean? That's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. So it's like, I, I feel like I bombed last night, but like that bomb would have been killing for me like four years ago or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Do you gig outside of London a lot? Not a ton. I mean, I've been doing all those little festivals and stuff like Bath and okay. like I'm doing Brighton and stuff. But I've, I've toured with like comedians, like a few shows at a time. Yeah. So I've seen the country that way, but I don't. Um, and I performed at clubs like, like Glee's and stuff, but I don't do it regularly. Like some people are just always out on the road. That's when you start becoming like you're either the circuit comedian or like the Edinburgh comedian, you know, like the people who play the circuit and who are like, like, you know, like hot water in Liverpool and all the glees and like they're doing that and that's how they make a living. Yeah. And then there's the comedians who are like just, just working out their Edinburgh hours. And so like they'll do the festivals, but it seems like a very distinct two separate roads. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, the Edinburgh one being, I guess, I don't know it's like more modern, or maybe more younger comedians, but maybe not even that. I think maybe it's just a different style of comedy, perhaps, between the two. I mean, you're sort of like, what, like Edinburgh is so expensive. It's just, it's just like, I feel like a lot of the circuit comedians are making a living and Edinburgh comedians are like, this might not be fair, but it feels like like technical, you know, college versus like university or something. It's just like some people go to get the skills to like make the money and some people go to university and get a fine arts degree and like building their like skills that make you money. They're just uh, this, trying this to build a vocation of sort. It's like the circuit is like practical money. Yeah. Edinburgh is like, you're, you're giving away all this money to then one day, hopefully get it back, but it's not yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. You, you're taking a punt on you on the on your long-term future that ideally you're going to recoup that at some point in a right. big way. Right. Which, so which route do you see yourself at the moment? Well, I'm, I, I seem to be on the Edinburgh one. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to be on like the, the circuit one. I, I don't enjoy comedy enough to just do the, do the circuit. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I feel like I have like, um, like a personality I want to get out there so I can build fans so that people care about my personality. So when I do bring a treatment to Merman, they're like, oh, we love you. Yeah. Let's put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Can you see yourself staying in the UK for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Or do you want to go back to LA? I would, the only reason I would go back to LA is if I had work, like, um, like the, something was paying me to be there and I was living fabulously. Cause I feel out there, I mean, it's probably the same in London, but out there you've got to be doing it right. Like you gotta do it right. You gotta do it right. I mean, cause it's so expensive. It's so much more expensive than it now. It like, used to, yeah, it didn't used to be that expensive. It's, it's gotten expensive. more expensive. Yeah. I mean, maybe for us as well, because you know, for me anyway, the, you know, the pound's obviously weaker. But that aside, it still seems quite expensive now. Rent's become more expensive. LA's finally like realizing its worth. It's a great city. It it's is. just, uh, it's really hard to struggle there. It's really hard to stay motivated there because you're like, yeah, actually, no, that's not true. I think I, you know, because we just had a fun routine when I was living in LA. We'd get out together with friends. We'd go hiking up in like Runyon Canyon. Would you? Yeah. Then we'll like go and have lunch and then we'll spend the day um, writing together. Yeah. And then we'll all do the open mic scene at night. It was fun. Nice and that open mic scene, you'll do three nights or three mics in a row. And like some of the same people are going to each mic. So you don't want to do the same material you've just done in front of them. Because uh, you're okay. the same audience, yeah. essentially. So it forces you to come up with new stuff. And like, good. I was writing a lot in LA. It was really, it's just, it's just the shows are so like soul destroying that like I was, I was there for seven years and the shows were just like, I almost quit comedy. I was like, I'm not enjoying this. You know, and then I've I come to that. the UK. Especially for the open mic side of things, there's a lot of don't know, bitter comedians kind of listening to each other as opposed yeah. to having a built-in audience. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. And when I came to the UK and it's just like, I feel like I'm still recouping from my time in LA, but like, <laughs> like all the audiences, those angel audiences are like, Ooh, give me more, give me more, give me yeah. top secret. Ooh, I love it. You yeah. know? Have you got a regular comedy crew here? And are they, is that your, sort of your social circle? Because you moved here for comedy. Would you say that? Would you socialize mostly with comedians over here? Have you got a social circle outside of comedy as well? I do have friends outside of comedy. Um, and then I do have a, I, Yes, I have a social circle of comedians here, but it's it's kind of like who you see at the Bill Murray or something, or like we were doing board game night on Sunday nights before I started a show on Sunday nights, which you should do sometime. But uh, you know, and board game nights was like um totally different circle of people, but like and then you find out that there are other board game nights with a totally other circle of people, and you're like, and then the, the one person from one board game night is going to the other board game nights Ooh, one, and you feel cheated on. Like yeah. you have two families, you have two families. No, no, no. Um, it's very strange, but yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of friends with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> to sum that up yeah yeah i don't have my click i don't think well you were like you seem like a well i, I can say, i know you are you're very sort of like outgoing sociable person you know there's a, some people in some people in comedy are much more introverted some people are awkward in comedy yeah i know right you never <laughs> that's crazy it. what oh. awkward introverted people in comedy those are the only guys i ever meet <laughs> yeah, just a lot the of introverts i've been dating introverts have you? Is your current boyfriend? He's a, an introvert. He's an introvert. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Yeah. I don't get it. The introversy. No. So, I, you know, because you can say you're an introvert the way you could say you're like, oh, I have such OCD about that. Yeah. You don't actually have OCD. But if you're an actual introvert, like you, you can only like so much emotionally take like socializing before you shut down. Okay. So here's the thing. I'm uh, reading a book at the moment called... Um, mindset as uh, dr quake it is it's really interesting it's talking about how you have this growth mindset and a fixed mindset mm. and they're applicable to every area of your life and she they also did this study on uh introverted and shy people and there was two types of introverted and shy people people with this growth mindset and then people with a fixed mindset if you have a fixed mindset if there's any uh, sign of failure you'll shirk away from that you'd rather not learn something new if it basically you know, highlights you as being an idiot or inferior or mm. stupid type of thing. And that usually stems from your childhood and the way that your parents raised you, or maybe a teacher spoke to you in a certain way and it sort of, you know, is ingrained within you. But if you have this growth mindset, you're always looking to be challenged. You'll want to grow as a person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So with these introvert, with introverts, and they did this study, um, what would happen is they go to a party and the people with the fixed mindsets just would not want to talk to people. It was just this like hell on earth. And um, as the night progressed, it would get worse and worse and worse and they'd want to leave. Mm. Whereas with the growth mindset, they would start off with exactly the same mindset. And then within a like, sort of after a few, like a few minutes or whatever, if they warmed up, they realized that this was a challenge and they wanted to take it on. Mm. And then after a certain period of time, they kind of opened up and they were almost conversing similarly to the equivalent of what extroverts or how extroverts would be socializing. Yeah. I'm, I've heard of this, not, not and how it relates to introversion. Thing is, is he, he does socialize. So like he, he does, um, so it's not like when he goes out, he's just like sitting in a corner and refusing to talk to people. Like when he goes out, he's socializing and he's being very social. He just has a very limited, like it's like a battery life. It just ends, yeah. you know? And so he just needs to be on his own to recharge. And my, you know, the, like the guy I was engaged to who brought me here had the same deal going on. I didn't get it. So when this happened, you know, but, <clears throat> but I wanted to talk about the growth mindset thing because I, I've heard about this too. Like it's like dangerous to call a kid a genius 
Yeah. Because if they feel like they're special and then they don't do like perfectly on something, they'll feel like, well, like, I guess I'm not special and fuck it. And like, or they feel like they don't need to work on things because exactly. it's just natural. Yeah. And then like, like I have a friend who has dyslexia and she's read more books than anyone I've ever met because like it's something, it's a challenge she needs to overcome. And so she's, she's worked at overcoming it. She's like one of the smartest people I know because she's read so many books because I think like, you know, she wanted to like beat the dyslexia or, or, or you know, kind of like win it, you know? And uh, same with singing. I started taking singing lessons. Oh, really? I don't know what practical Recently. use I'm going to have for them yet. But oh, yeah, because cool. like, I've always loved singing. And I'm like, I realized like, I bet it's something that is you could get better at if you try. 100%. And I, I talked to my teacher about it and like, see, but the, you know, but you grow up thinking like, oh, you either have natural talent with singing or you don't like either you can just sing yeah. or you don't. When I sang around people, it was like, oh, you know, awful. But when I sang on my own, I sounded all right. Yeah. So, I went, you know, I, I was talking to her and she was like, the people who realize that it's a skill that can be learned end up being better singers than the people who think it's just a natural talent because they work at it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you can apply it to everything. I I did the same. I was having vocal coaching sessions for a bit because my my character, I you know, performing does rapping, but then it'll break out into song every now and then. And uh, I loved. I found it really liberating. Yeah. You know? Did she teach you the uh, clenching the the butt technique? You know? No. What's no? that? So suppose if you clench in your your asshole, uh-huh. that um, totally helps with your right vocal now. performance. Yeah, it helps with vocal performance. And then when you when you sing it, higher notes, you when you sing higher notes, you think down, and when you sing lower notes, you think up. Okay, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, I don't think so. No. My biggest, I think my biggest thing, but she is teaching me all this stuff and like giving me exercises and, and stuff like that. But my biggest thing is if I think anyone's listening, I, I she's like, you tighten up, your throat tightens up, and you block your voice. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, you used to sing from the belly. Weirdly, yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you're singing from. Like she's like, there's chest voice and there's head voice. Okay. You are singing from the belly. Like that's supporting like your diaphragm, supporting all the air coming up. But like your neck will like tense up if you feel like someone's listening and you're scared and you just, you know, you stop. And, and which is weird because I'm a performer. So you wouldn't think that would be the problem I have. But like, yeah. I was like, why is it like, what is it about a voice that, why would I be so insecure about it? She was like, it's your voice. There's nothing more personal than that. Yeah. If people don't like your voice. They don't like you, you know, or whatever. Like it's. it's like they're not liking your comedy. Right. Yeah. But I'm a comedian, so like, why is this a different area? Mm. But I, I just like that it's something that I um, I can probably accomplish. It's cool to just be doing something just for the fucking fun of it, and not have to have an end goal with it. Just something that's completely detached. It's too expensive for me not to have an end goal with it. Okay, I wanna, so what's, what's the I want to sing on stage, and I don't know what oh, it is okay. and what capacity yet. Okay. Maybe I've written a song, and I can yeah. get someone to play like the like the tune of it while I sing. Okay. Or maybe it's, I've written a musical, and yeah. I'm in it. I'm going to have a practical use for it. I just, um, I don't know what it is yet. Do you traditionally find that hard, like taking up something just for the sake of it? Something new? Would there always need to be like an end goal or a strategy in place? Or would you ever just be like, you know, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to learn to play the drums. No, I would totally just learn to play the drums. But like, it's like I said, it's like, you just don't have time for everything. Yeah. You know, you got to be selective with your time. You do. And so it's just like when this is so expensive and it's taking up time, it's just, I would like to have a practical use for it in the end. It's hard to practice too, because I can't just sing in my home. I could, but I would annoy people, you know? Yeah. Shower. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, I would like to, I guess I am a practical person, but no, I would totally, if I could just learn the drums, just to learn the drums, I would learn the drums. Yeah. Yeah, I had a piano lesson uh, at the end of the year. 
Mm. I was like, it was always on the list of goals for that year. Yeah. Piano lesson. I did it just before, just before the end. And I was like, yes, done it. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I haven't done it again since though. Aww. I know I should go back, but it's like, I need to get a keyboard. And if you're going to do it, you've got to practice. Yeah, if you're going to you spend do. the money, you've got to practice. Yeah. Tough on the hands. Yeah. Oh, because all the stretching. Yeah, all the muscles have been worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. I, piano is another thing I want to do. Yeah. The thing is, is I have so many things I want to do. Tell me about it. But isn't that just, don't you think that's just, um, that's just what a creative person is like? Maybe. But I was telling my boyfriend this. I was like, I was like, I feel like comedy is a kid. And now that I've raised it and it's in its teens, I feel like I can start thinking about other things like piano and singing. That's a nice way of putting it. Right? Like yeah. I can just like, I'm, I'm like ready to like have other hobbies or finally kind of like it's sort of starting to like take care of itself a little bit. Yeah. And so I don't have to, I don't have to cater to it every, every fucking second. And so yeah, like, yeah. I do have a little bit of room for another hobby. Like what, like Bill Burr, what, like he, play, he plays the drums and like, I think he flies helicopters and, you know, he? he's taking up other hobbies. Cause I think like, yeah, that's cool. You start to have time for other things after you've spent so much time on the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm a big fan of hobbies. I do like a good old hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get back in. I used to do boxing and Thai boxing. I love boxing. Are you box? Yeah. Oh, cool. Why do you do it? I haven't done it here yet. <laughs> okay. But just trust me when what, I say what, I fucking love to box. I um. Whereabouts are you? Where are you in London? I'm in Finsbury Park now. Oh, you're literally around the corner. Mm. Okay, cool. There's um, there's a few places. I'm gonna go to. This, uh, I did a trial session at this MMA place, mixed martial arts place in uh, Hackney, and uh, you pay a subscription a month, and then you can mix between all these different types of styles boxing tie boxing etc and you can go up to like twice a week basically okay and uh yeah i really like the vibe there some of them you go in there and they're like moody as fuck right you know because they feel like they have to be hard or something maybe yeah there's like i don't know there's some attitude going on there uh but then this one they were just so welcoming like, yeah hey, man come on in oh, that's nice in a way that's also a bit more scary they're smiling hey, come on in. we're gonna fuck you up are you are you somebody who tries new things a lot yes do you find that like does it take you a while to try that new thing? But like once you get past the, for me, once I get past that first one where I know what's going on and where I'm going and like what the layout of the room is and who the people are, it's much easier for me to get into it. But I feel like that one obstacle is a, is like a big one, yeah. which makes it harder for me to start new things. Yeah, for me, it's like it's a combination of how do I fear? Uh, I mean, fear definitely would be applicable to uh, my career side of things. For I was scared for ages to do stand up comedy. I was scared to uh, be a director and start yeah. directing things. That side of things would be fear, and then I guess the other side of things it was like you said, maybe a combination of time and laziness, mm. like oh. Am I going to get around to doing this? Am I going to do that? So at the moment, I'm training for a triathlon. Mm. And I've started training with this tri- local triathlon club and I'm really enjoying it. And I, I'm pushing myself physically more than I would have done before when I was just like running in the park. And I thought about doing it for ages. Like, oh, I should go and join that club. I should go and join that club. Mm. But it took me like a year of thinking that before I actually decided to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how I, I, I like the seed gets planted. And it takes me a while. I don't know how long, but it takes me a while to act on it. It's like singing. I like singing. I should take singing lessons. Ha ha. Yeah. One day. And then eventually you're like, why am I not? I could just do it. Yeah. But then I guess also the flip side to that is if you're like impulsive and you just decide to take on everything at the same time, you're going to be overwhelmed, aren't you? So it's yeah. just choosing what you want to do at certain stages. You can't do it all at the same time. Yeah. 
that's tough. I find that so hard. That's part of the balancing we're all talking about. Yes, yeah. there's a thing. It's so, sometimes it is just so tough. It's like, you know what I find used to find really hard? I used to be really bad at like, um, you have social plans and then there'd be another offer coming and then another. And then be like, yeah. suddenly you've got three or four things you could choose before. I'm like, oh, what should I do? I yeah. can't decide which one to do. I know I'll do all three. <laughs> And then, that's so funny because I would be like, I'll just not do any of them. <laughs> yeah. Just not go no, out. I mean, I mean, this is me 10 years ago. Me oh, now, right. I'm definitely not doing any of them. <laughs> definitely not doing it. I'm reading my book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all changed now. Like, the, I, I don't really enjoy it. I don't know you, but I'm not really a going out, getting drunk type person. I prefer like like having like one-on-one chats with friends, going for dinner, and then maybe going to pub, have some drinks. But the loud club thing and then like now leave that to the kids kids, i'm not doing that ever like ever if i have to be in a loud club for a show or something you know like sometimes they're in a weird like uh what was it like the jonglers right it was always like in a club yeah 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 stag and hen oh and everyone was always so smashed the audience yeah yeah they weren't there for comedy they were for the evening yeah (laughs) for the dinner and the drinks the dancing the whole thing yeah and then you were just part of it you know and you're just like so me and my mom broke up with a guy and they're like fuck yeah (laughs) what about in edinburgh did you ever go out oh yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i drink a lot but like (laughs) i'm with you on the club thing but like um i liked going out in edinburgh because it felt it feels like you're going on holiday with an extended family. So you do your show, you see some other shows, and you end up at the loft bar, and you see yeah. some comedians, and then, you know, you're just out until 6 a.m. because that's the energy of that city on in that month. Yeah, it's true. And then you wake up at 2 and do it all over again. But you start to see the same faces, and it becomes familiar. Because, like, you're in a new place. You're out of your surroundings. Yeah. You're stressed. So you need some kind of constant. And, like, these other faces become that constant. So it's like you just, like, oh, it would be nice to go to the loft bar, have a drink, see these friends. Yeah. And, you know. How are you at the end of the month of Edinburgh? Are you completely, like, worn out? Do you need to have some time out? Or are you kind of like, cool, I'm, I'm good to go? Yeah, I've only done one full month. Okay. That was fine, I Were think. You? No, I was going through a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hardest Edinburgh because I was, I was like, at the end of the month knew I was going to be homeless. Like I was going to not have a place to be to say, I was still living with my boyfriend. We're okay. going on a break. My yeah. fiance, we we're going on a break. So we took Edinburgh, which I find for a lot of couples is a very natural break in their yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, we're away from each other for a month, but I knew like what, where the, like where that, where it was heading. So I was like, Oh fuck, I'm going to be like homeless. It was very stressful, but I didn't, I don't remember feeling physically like, Oh God, I've really fucked myself up. I mean, cause it just didn't stop after Edinburgh. I kept going, I was going, I was going through a rough time. Yeah, it happens. Mm. It happens. Sometimes you need it, don't you? Yeah. And those, those, those moments after a breakup, whatever it is, you just need to let loose. Yeah. You just need to get to like your worst self and you're like, all right, let's pick things up again. Yeah. When I was in LA, I used to smoke loads of weed when I was younger. I don't really anymore. But when I was in LA, I started doing those edibles and I was having a great time. Yeah. I was just like high <laughs> like every day, but it was just, it was a different type of high. I was just like, my mind was wide open. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was just having all these thoughts, which I'd write down and then read the next day and think, what the fuck was that? <laughs> right. But it was nice to let loose for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to bring back to the theme of the podcast, what does balance mean to you in terms of like, with you know, balancing your creative life with your everyday life? Is it something that you try and apply as a principle or not? It was very professional. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I felt it after. That was a well time. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I try to apply as a principle, but does it always work out? No, there's always going to be something that like takes is, takes precedent over other things. And you try to, you try to have a balance. Like when I read in some book, like there's always going to be one burner that's off or something like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what that means now, but at the time it made sense when I read it. Like there's always going to be something that is like lacking your attention. I guess. I don't know anyone who has it figured out. I don't know anyone who's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I dedicate this much time to my creative, this much time to my family, this, but I, you know, you try, like I have a panda planner, which I fucking love. And if you don't have one, you should get one. They're really, really good for organizing all your thoughts what by month, week and day. I'm spitting everywhere. Uh, panda planner. Panda planner. Okay. Yeah. But they have like quadrants for the week. So what are you going to do for your, for your work life? What are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do for your family life? What are you going to do for your friends? This is a physical book rather than an app. It's a physical book. I oh, okay. I have it with me, but like, yeah, I'll show it to after, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you try, you try your best, but there's, I'm, the, I think the trick is to not get upset when some things fall by the wayside. Because like for me, like, like enjoy the time in my relationship that we're all cuddly and lovey and that's taking away from writing and exercising for now. And like, don't beat myself up about sure. it. Sure. You know? Okay. I think that's the trick is just like being easy on yourself. Yes, that is a great place to end it, being easy on yourself. I know I could do with doing that more and I'm sure many others could as well. Um, Maria, where can people find you, social media? and? Uh... My name, Maria Shahada, is my Instagram, my Facebook, my website, my everything. So. Okay, it's a world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maria, thanks, thanks very much. Great Thank chat. you. Perfect. That was a good one. Lots of nuggets there. It's made me realise that I need to get back to my piano lessons. I say get back to them. I know I only had one, but still, you know, I dipped my toes in the water. The water wasn't that cold. It was pleasant. It was lukewarm. So I need to dive back in. Basically, I need to get a keyboard so then I can practice on the regular. I found it very, very liberating, very freeing playing Vera Jaco on the piano. I can play big, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, not sure Mozart could manage that. So, clearly gifted. Guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, uh, please do rate, review, comment, share a link to the podcast if you can. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe. There'll be lots more interesting conversations with an array of creatives across comedy, acting, writing, directing, music as well. Just a load of visionaries stuck with me in a room for a minimum of an hour. If that doesn't tempt you to subscribe, then I don't know what will. Ciao for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.